listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 496. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Netflix series 1899. And, uh, you know, uh, I think I think it's best to just leave unsaid what we both had to experience last night. And, yeah. Uh, I just think there's... To quote one of my... Uh, favorite films varsity blues <laughs> and this would be directed at the uh, ravens offensive coordinator and you know head coach harbaugh because you yeah. know you got a you got a voice dude uh you are the dumbest smart kid i know <laughs> so anyway yeah. uh we'll leave it at that yeah. um yeah. anyway how's your uh week been well, in the interim you know uh, yeah I, you know, I'm just gonna, I know people don't always necessarily like when we talk about sports, but you know, just as a, as Ravens fans, this is a uh, you know that we have to purge some of these negative emotions and these these hurtful feelings. And you know, I wasn't really I don't think anyone was really expecting them to win. And then they made it a game, and they actually get to a place where like they could possibly win this game. And then in just one fell swoop, everything one play, everything just totally turned around the other way and that sucked so okay i'm done um yeah other than that everything's going uh pretty well okay. i'm doing a lot of field hockey driving and watching this weekend um so pretty pretty tired but uh you know other than that uh, everything's good cool well at least you don't have to worry about bad weather driving yet anyway so right. Well, yeah. Been... I mean, it's crazy this year. So we've already talked about sports. So let's let's get the weather in now, right? Uh, <laughs> right. The uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I mean, we haven't gotten anything like this. It's almost February, and we've had zero snow here, which is uh, very unusual. But I guess not when we're just pumping all kinds of uh, chlorofluorocarbons into the atmosphere. So, um, you know. Yeah. In a couple um, couple years, uh, Maryland will be like uh, Florida in, in the summer, I guess. Yeah, so. and now the Republicans decided that uh, smoking inside the Capitol is a good thing because, uh, you know, hey, who doesn't want cancer? But uh, Wait, anyway, thing? yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> unfortunately really? it is. Yeah, that is so, freaking uh, nuts, man. Um, all right. Well, anyway, we, we talked about the cancellation of 1899 at the hands of Netflix. And Fred mentions in his feedback, and he posted a link to an article on the Facebook group, that there is someone out there that's claiming Yante Frisia and Baron Bo Odar uh, stole the idea for this show you know, from him, I believe it was a, a, a man. And, you know, accusing them of plagiarism. And, you know, the article that, that Fred links to and some other reading that I've done in the interim just points to a big, dude, you must be effing kidding because, you know, no, there's no plagiarism. So I don't really think that's the reason Netflix canceled it. Now, what I have read, and, and Netflix does provide some statistics uh, one of which is total hours viewed internationally, and another is completion rate. So in other words, how many people complete the entire season once it's uh, mm -hmm. you know uh, released. And it's been reported that 1899 had a completion rate of anywhere between 32 and 36%, which is very low. Yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Ultimately, 
you know, my thinking is that that's what led to its cancellation. I also read that Baron Bo Odar, and I believe this was, I, I believe I read this on his Instagram page. I could be wrong about that or, or in an interview that he said it, that their initial deal with Netflix called for three seasons of Dark, one of 1899, and then an evaluation as to whether or not to move forward with subsequent seasons of 1899 and and clearly the Netflix chose not to yeah, do that. Okay. So you know when when you look at it like that I get it but when you look at the total hours viewed internationally you know it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know it's funny. I mean you look at the the shows that have just got astronomical numbers like Emily in Paris, <laughs> um, which I don't think anybody's going to mistake for, you know, an in- intellectual uh, journey. But still, it's a fun show. I enjoyed it, uh, no question. But e- e- even a show like Warrior Nun, which I absolutely loved, uh, you know, the critics loved it, fans loved it, it was pretty low in terms of hours watched i think the completion rate was was decent but you know it's not one of those shows like 1899 where people get two three episodes in it's like i have no clue what i'm watching i'm done so you know anyway i don't want to keep going on about that so i guess it does make some sense at least as far as uh 1899 is going the other thing though i read is that there is a new streaming service in europe and now i forget the first part of it it's got showtime attached to it and they have bought up some of the international content that hbo dropped including be foreigners so while be foreigners hasn't been green lit for a third season yet apparently it is going to have a home so that people can watch seasons one and two and then this this streaming service, I'll find out and, and post okay. it in the Facebook group. So I guess there's a chance that we might see more seasons of Be Foreigners, but that's well, that'd be down great. the road. Yeah. All right. Not holding my breath, though. No. Now, for me, what I'm watching this week, I did a rewatch of season one of Showtime's psychological horror series Yellow Jackets in anticipation of season two this March. And I've mentioned that in the past, and it is a freaking awesome show it's a high school girls soccer team from new jersey that's on a plane headed to seattle for the nationals they crash in the canadian northwest it looks like they're you know this remote and and of course after you know they crash and they you know and some people die in the crash and and you know they figure all right it's just a matter of time before we're rescued well they don't get rescued for 19 months and, uh, you know, w- without giving away too many spoilers, this is just the first two minutes that the opening sequence is this teenage girl in a nightgown running barefoot through the snow in a wooded area. Suddenly she falls in a man-made trap with, you know, the spikes pointing up and, and uh, of course, she's killed. And then the next, you know, seconds later, we see these figures in, you know, these big fur outfits, including their faces being covered, hoisting her up over a tree by the ankles. 
somebody slitting her throat, letting the blood drain out, and then the next few seconds later, slicing, you know, what appears to be meat and roasting it over a fire, which, uh, of course, and then it flashes back between 25 years later in 2021 and then 1996. So uh, it's really a great show. So, um, you know, I don't think that gives too much away. The other thing I finished was season two of Ginny and Georgia. And then I mentioned to you before we got on the air about finishing Alice in Borderland. And I, you know, without going into spoiler zone, I don't even know what to make of the endings of these shows and i'm just going to leave it at that they're okay. they're clearly different problems for me um, Ginny and georgia is clearly not a genre show the ending there it's just that i'm like no there's no way that's believable that this sequence of events would occur no sorry i get narratively it makes for a compelling season finale and all that but no i call bs so right. I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, okay. what do you got? Uh, a couple things. So um, the uh, the Bad Batch uh, season two is up now, and it's awesome. Uh, I love. I'm really starting to think that the um, the animated Star Wars content is really, I think, some of my favorite stuff. Uh, the Clone Wars, uh, Rebels, and the Bad Batch, uh, especially Star Wars Rebels. Um, so, yeah, really cool kind of continuation of their adventures. And, uh, you know, if you're into it, uh, you probably already know this. And if you're not, you're probably not going to watch it. So I'll just say it's worth the, the time if you are if you like that type of stuff. Uh, finally finished his Dark Materials, which was, uh, I mean, great production. Um you know, I, the last season, a little bit messier than the others, but I was talking to my son about the other day. I was like, you know what? I think that the last book I seem to remember, it's been a while since I've read the books, but I, I seem to remember the last book I felt had kind of gone off the rails plot-wise as well. Um, but still really great. Uh, the act, acting was great. They had, you know, I mean, like, especially like, you know, James McAvoy in there and everything. Uh, really top-notch stuff great production values looks great uh it's a compelling story that i thought you know was with the whole way so but again it, it, it pretty uh if i from what i remember it pretty faithfully follows the books and the books are pretty good so um definitely worthwhile there um i did a uh this is a while back i completed my rewatch of strange new worlds which i really really like that show a whole heck of a lot um, I know I've been, I've been getting some uh, some blowback on on Facebook about what I had said about uh, Star Trek Discovery. I kind of still hold to my guns. I know I reflected on it a little bit. I, I know, like especially the first two seasons of Discovery were, you know, I, 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 they were probably much less Roddenberry esque than the, the the last two seasons, especially season four. I felt. Um, kind of return to that uh, kind of optimism and stuff like that. The one thing about Discovery is it sometimes it tries like a little too hard to be to be woke, I guess. And I don't want to say that as like conservative politicians do to like kind of de- degrade anything. I think it's good 
what they do. Uh, I think sometimes when they, they push it a little too far, and uh, not too far, but too much, like, you know, like it's obviously kind of gets in the way of the story a little bit sometimes because they're trying to, you know, show how diverse they are and everything. Again, there's, that's, a, that's a good thing, but sometimes, I mean, we know, like, yeah, just whenever a show kind of has, like, I don't want to say they have an agenda, but when they have something they want to get off their chest, or they're, they're trying to make a statement, social, social commentary, that can, you know, that, that sometimes that can hit on, like, a wrong note. Like, it just doesn't, it comes across, like, you say, oh, wow, it's so obvious, the social commentary trying to get across. And if it's obvious, sometimes it doesn't work quite as well. But like I said, uh, better that it's there than not. So um, I like it. But uh, and last but not least, my uh, my daughter the other day was well, she was read Pride and Prejudice in school, uh, said she wanted to watch the Kira Knightley movie from 2005, I believe. And uh, you can either spend four dollars to rent it on Amazon Prime or we could sign up for a BritBox subscription, the seven-day free trial, and she could watch it for free. At the same time, though, I realized that with a BritBox subscription, I can finally have access to a show that I've been trying to watch for ages, and that is Ashes to Ashes, which is the, um, I guess, quote-unquote, sequel to Life on Mars, except this time it's a, uh, a female cop. Uh, again, from the present day, she uh, has something happens to her, and she finds herself in 1981, I believe it is. Uh, whereas the Life on Mars took place in the 70s, uh, this takes place. But it's the same people that were you know, populated the cast of the, the 70s, and Life on Mars are now, now it's the 80s, but it's the same characters and everything. And she actually was was researching the the guy i can't remember john sims character i should um but the the other guy the cop who went back for life on mars so she knows all about his story so she instantly recognizes all of these characters from what you know when he finally returned to the present what he had said he the people he had seen back then so um so it's curious, but I've, so I've always wanted to watch it, and uh, now I I don't know if I'm going to get it done in seven days. Um, but I've also realized that you know right now we have the uh, subscription on my wife's Amazon account, and I think I can get a different one on my account. So that'll give me another seven days, and uh, so I have to do some uh, some pretty heavy uh, binging to try and get this show uh, out of the way uh, in uh, in 14 days. So. We'll see how that goes. If not, maybe I'll just you know pay eight bucks for a month of BritBox and finish it off. But uh, but yeah, that shows great. Like Life on Mars. I mean, the characters are awesome. Um, they they revel in the you know politically uncorrectness of the, the characters in the past and um, you know set against a modern sensibility. It's sometimes appalling, sometimes funny, but they, there's a human element that underscores all of it. That's that's really good. So, all right, I'm done. All right, cool. All right, well, let's get to 1899, episode six of season one, titled The Pyramid, written by Yante Frisia and Emil Nygaard Albertson, directed as always by Baron Bo Odar, season released November 17th, 2022. One of the things that, I mean, it certainly strikes us in every episode, but the language barriers were particularly notable yes. for me Absolutely. because. 
they were not insurmountable. And on the one hand, I'm thinking, all right, is it really that easy? I mean, we've certainly talked about how so many Europeans speak multiple languages. And while in many cases, these characters simply had, you know, a handful of in many cases, English words, you know, uh, certainly I'm, I'm thinking the, uh, the scene with, uh, Olick and, uh, gosh, I can't think of her name now, Ling Yi. Uh, Ling Yi, yeah. where, uh, you know, she, she wonders whether the postcard is from a girl mm-hmm. and you know, she's, that's all she needs. Girl, no, no girl, girl. <laughs> brother, no, no girl. Right. And they instantly communicate not only, the question about the postcard, but about their feelings for each other that yeah. are, are developing. And we get the great scene where, where they kiss. Um, well, you got two young people who are attracted to each other and everything. You don't necessarily need a lot of actual spoken language, but I think kind of like one thing I actually wrote in my notes is that in every like team up we have, the people don't talk cause they don't understand each other. Or rarely do they do, but they communicate nonetheless, which is kind of what you're saying, you know? Yeah. And then the scene between Ramiro and Tove's father when they're in the, uh, the you know, the uh, telegraph room, you yep. know, sending out the SOS. And again, that, that really touching scene where Tove's father is unburdening himself that you not only does he feel a fraud as a clergyman because he doesn't even believe God exists. And there's no darn way Ramiro understands the words he's saying, but he gets the, he gets the emotion of it. Yes. Which again, I mean, like in, like if I had a BS button, that's probably the point at which I would have been, you know, hitting it. But, like I said, the fact that these people, like especially there, because they are very clearly communicating with each other, you know. But the uh, Tove's dad does not speak Portuguese. Ramiro does not speak Danish. But nonetheless, like you know, Ramiro tells him, and he's not even really a priest, but he still tells him, "Your sins will be forgiven." And the guy starts crying and stuff. Yeah. So you know, like. That's pretty uh, a pretty emotional, effective scene. That I mean, there's something I feel there's something else going on here, right? That um, like because there's absolutely no way either of these guys can really understand what the other one say. He could have been saying something like, um, "I want to punch you right in the face," for all uh, Tove's dad knew. But yet the crying seems to indicate he he kind of knew exactly what Ramiro was saying there. Well, could a Babel fish in the ear? That's what I was wondering. That might be the next thing, the Babel fish, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can look that one up boys and girls. And while you're at it, keep reading the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. If you haven't read it already, shame on you. Go read it now. One of the best books ever written. Yep. And only take you a couple hours. Yeah. It's fabulous. Um, but then, you know, for this episode, <laughs> we get a lot of statements about what's real and what's not. Is it a dream? If it's a dream, whose dream is it? If it's not real, then what is it? 
you know, we kind of speculated last time, are we in some sort of a video game situation? Is it some sort of virtual reality sim? I mean, we don't really know. I mean, we, we do get a kind of what I feel is an answer in the, the very last scene about something we talked about in terms of time loops because, you know, where we see Ike on board, you know, we don't even necessarily really know which ship he's on. Is he on a Prometheus or a Kerberos? Because clearly he's in the midst of this ship graveyard, which to me speaks to the fact that we might be in a time loop. And also Daniel says, I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm not going to leave you again. And, right. You know, we're like, again? You know, so, yeah, that, you know, definitely there, the, there is a looping element occurring here for sure. Yeah. Now, I didn't go back and uh, listen to the, uh, the audio tape. But I, I'm going to take at least one minor victory here that, at least according to Daniel, he and Mara are married. Yeah. I, I don't remember if I said they were married, but I do we definitely put that out there. That was, that was our first theory right. was that Daniel and was her husband somehow, which really, when you think about the complete lack of chemistry between them, you know, is probably why she finds that difficult to believe. And, you know, maybe we do as well, you know, like, like she isn't like, she's not like attracted. Like she definitely, you know, we're, we're definitely shipping her and Ike, Right. Yeah, and, and definitely the, feel the 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 intensity, the heat of that relationship. But we got nothing with her and Daniel. So, right, we see the the couple of situations where Ike and Mara are touching hands, and in fact, even kind of holding hands there. Uh, I, I think in one of the final sequences. So, so you're not buying the chemistry uh, when she locks Daniel in the uh, <laughs> in the right. chair room at gunpoint <laughs> yeah well you know in a way i almost felt bad for daniel because he's like this isn't real and instead of you I, if, if he said that to me I'd be like oh really then what is it but instead she's like no get in the room give me your little remote control thing you know it's like um you know i mean i don't know to which how much i actually you know feel bad for daniel but he's just trying to tell people what's going on and they just want to point guns at him you know well well yeah but i guess it would be nice if he was a little more forthcoming in his explanation simply don't touch that all right fine why what right. is it but now i guess you could argue doesn't really get much of a chance because he you know, has this little handheld device and he's, he zaps Ike, you know, back into, um, you know, somewhere. I forget exactly where I, Ike ends like up. It looks like his Germany. Okay. I, I guess, well, he's German, right? So I assume right. Germany. Right. I assume that's where, well, we don't know. I don't think we've actually know for sure. So the girl is sitting in Germany. I think. Well, that could be a German family living anywhere, right? But yeah. wherever his his house is, is i think that's where he gets zapped back to but yeah now you know one of the things that i thought although on a rewatch i'm not so sure now that mara's <laughs> and as i'm i'm <laughs> 
watching the show and taking notes on this the uh, the other night and and I'm writing things in my notes and I keep laughing and my wife's like what are you laughing uh, because I'm writing in my notes so Ike goes in Mara's tunnel mm. like no wait a minute that doesn't all sound right, no. good all right let's rewrite that <laughs> right um <laughs> It does appear Mara's tunnel leads to two different locations, the one with the cross and the grave, and then her father's building. But then- well, I think that's the same place. Though. It is. Then the second time, I guess it's a matter of perspective that that does she come out, you know, in the one sequence where she comes out and all you see, and this is with Ike, she's with Ike as well, you just see the building in the distance, you don't see the cross. Right which is why I thought that at first, but then later we, you know, we see that same area and it's, you know, the camera's pulled back farther and you see the cross in the foreground and the building in the background's like, okay, so yeah, it just leads to the one place. It was yeah. just a matter of perspective. So while we're at it, let's talk about that cross because I actually did uh, stop the frame to see if there's anything written on the cross. And it turns out there isn't. It's not, There's no writing on it. Though the one time Mara looked at it, it said, wake up. <clears throat> but when Daniel looks at it, it says nothing. But the fact that Daniel stopped and looked at this cross is pretty, like, it, the, there's something very important there. And I think it's, is it at a crossroads? I know it's, like, in the middle of the road. I don't know if there's a crossroad there. Uh, I don't recall there being one. I mean, obviously she goes down that, that path. Um, right. But I, I mean, for me, the, the recognition of what you speak lets us know as, as the viewer that, no, it's not in her imagination. There's right. actually a cross and right. what appears to be a grave. Yeah. And it's significant. So, you know, again, we, there, there is this recurring theme about her and her, um, inability to have children or whatever, and the, that's the story she says at least. And uh, you know, I know I can't remember if it was you or I threw out there that you know, well, we thought maybe the boy might be her child. Maybe this is a child of Daniel and Mora. Maybe this is where you know they that they had a child that died and and it's it's buried at this crossroads, um, or I don't know if it's crossroad, but that this you know the cross marks the the grave of the child. But I mean, it's it's obviously very significant. It's not just, and of course, when we see a cross stuck in the ground, that's we notice that, right? Especially when it's like there's nothing else around it, you know. But um, you know that that sticks out, and it, it's obviously going to be significant. Though whether we actually find out the significance of it or not, that's another question. Well, right, and I seem to recall that I made the prediction that the boy is their child. Now, on the one hand, the boy seems to be very alive, uh, but in this episode in particular, we are peppered with statements that it might be a dream. If it's a dream, whose dream is it? Is it real? It's not real. So literally like three different characters at the end say this can't be real. Right. So on the one hand, if I think that that, that the boy is their child is he buried here? Well, okay, maybe, but then how do we explain the fact that 
we see him walking around and like you said last week now he's a little chatterbox yeah so we we don't really have an explanation for that but there there's something else we really don't have an explanation for so why don't we get to the danish backstory because that's the opening scene and and well, it's, it's got a really quite we don't have to talk yeah. about this right now did the boy disappear at the end of the previous episode well he, I, he didn't disappear i believe daniel tells him i need you to wait here and then he goes off and does his stuff with mara Okay, because like the last I remembered, he was kind of with them, you know, and then all of a sudden everyone's looking for him. I'm like, well, wait, what happened to him? Like, right. I actually had to like stop and check to make sure I was on the right episode. And I didn't skip one. Yeah, he tells he, Daniel tells him that that he'll be back for him, not not all to right. worry. And and the kid doesn't seem worried that he's going to be abandoned here. So all right. Um, but that opening scene, yeah. Tove's flashback nightmare shows her running through the woods uh, looking for Ada when a man with a gun startles her. And that's, of course, when Mara tells her to wake up, which which she does, you know, finds herself on the floor in the room with the other survivors. Yeah. So when people not only wake up, but they're like gasping for breath when they wake up as well. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you know, we, we get some answers about their scars if if nothing else crester's facial scar and the smaller scar that she has and we've certainly speculated about her pregnancy and the father and i think we get a reasonably definitive answer here pretty sure yeah yeah so that um uh, she thinks she sees crester as the women are searching this ship for survivors and i love the fact that ike has retaken charge although i guess you could argue that franz doesn't really have too many people supporting his mutiny yeah. any longer but his, uh, all his crew jumped over the side of the ship right but at this point mutiny is the least of ike's concerns right. so she follows who she thinks is her brother through a door and now she's suddenly in a brightly lit field so we're like okay i guess you don't have to go through a trap door in the floor and crawl through this tiled shoot um okay fine but ike is i feel like i feel like ike also somehow got to his like world quote unquote through a root i don't know right yeah i i think in this case yeah um well daniel zaps him there right on the one hand well yeah but i mean like back early on like when yeah like when he saw his fan but i guess that was his like dream or waking dream or whatever you know okay i don't know well uh, well one of the first things we notice about tove is she's no longer pregnant and i think even she She looks down she looks like she like gasped as she looks down like holy shit you know right and she's wearing different clothes and she finds her brother and the man with the gun frozen in time now they quickly uh animate and he fires the gun at Crestor. I'm like, okay, now we know how he gets that facial scar. That's all we get at this point. But, you know, eventually it comes back and we realize that the big issue that this farmer has is that Crestor has apparently sexually abused this man's son. And we don't know how old the son is. 
I mean, right. you know. Well, from his perspective, it's abuse, but it could have very well have been, you know, um, you know, both parties were consenting here. Well, sure, right. Uh, and, but from and, the dad's point of view, obviously not. Right, and he's going to take his vengeance by restraining the family and raping Tove. And, of course, Tove, uh, you know, I mean, certainly it's horrific what happens to her, but she certainly gets her revenge by whacking the guy with a rock. And at first we just think she's going to bash his brains in, which she does to a certain extent, right. but then she There's grabs really, the gun and uh, some uh, little uh, call back to dark there a little bit, right? Yeah. So, so now we know, you know, that, that comment that Crestor had made to her earlier, you know, fine. Uh, yeah. You know what? She killed, but I think it was justified. In, right. in her case, if yeah. there is a justification for if if ever there was a justification for killing someone that that has to register. Right. Because I don't think we would call it murder as as much as self-defense. Yeah. So yeah, clearly. Right. So uh, anyway, so so we certainly get some answers there as, as to why, you know, she's pregnant on the ship and, you know, why, you know, there's no mention of the father. Well, but and the, why? the mother freaking gives Crestor the eye every time he looks at angel. Well, yeah. And right. And the other thing that strikes me and it didn't strike me the first time I watched this episode is the mother's mental condition. And we've talked about the fact that she clearly is mentally ill, whether she's schizophrenic or not. I'm, you know, not a psychiatrist. So I, I don't, you know, know the but specifics, you play one on TV. but I do. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, I think it's the father that kind of implies that, that there was a point in time in which she changed. And I got to believe this is the point in time at which she starts hearing the voice of God. And again, I don't want to get into a religious discussion that, you know, the prophets in the Bible, when they were hearing the voice of God, that they were really just, you know, experiencing schizophrenic episodes or whatever. But I think that's what we now figure is going on here. So did this incident in the field where her son is shot and her daughter is raped cause this psychotic break, if that's what you want to call it? You know, and the voices started, and then the husband just didn't know what to do. This is 1899, you know. I mean, yeah, I guess psychiatry is in its infancy, but, you know. Well, I probably mean, not for, you know, poor farmers and stuff. Yeah, right, exactly, right. So he, yeah. it's for him, it just is easier to go along with his wife's contention that God's speaking to her. Right, well, and also, like, he says like that her certainty and her hope is something that he wanted like you know he wanted to feel that same hope like i kind of like understand that you know like i like i have to admit sometimes i'm like jealous of people who are very certain of their religious convictions right and you don't like don't have any doubts or questions or anything like i I, I sometimes I, I I am jealous of that because I'm like God you know like I'm just full of you know 
of questions and doubts and how come I can't just accept blind, you know, blindly have faith in everything, you know? Um, so I, I get what he says that, like what he's talking about, like is how he just, you know, was drawn into like that, you know, her, I don't know, vortex is the word, but you know, just like, you know, this, this certainty and this belief and this hope that she had was compelling for him, especially when they obviously didn't have much hope at all after Tove killed that guy. Um, obviously, he's the, I keep saying obviously, he seems to be, the you know, a landowner and wealthy. And so it's going to be a problem that he gets killed. And I'm sure if, if this is actually 1899, there wasn't a lot of necessarily belief happening, unfortunately. And unfortunately, even today, uh, you know, victims of rape often have difficulty getting people to believe their story. And oftentimes the burden of proof is put onto them. So unfortunately, that is sometimes the case today and is even more so the case back then. So you could see why the, the family probably felt our you know, most likely chance of survival is to cut and run to America. Yep. And then after the gunshot, when, when she presumably finishes him off, Clemence then finds a distraught Tove in the hallway, and she's got blood all she's over her. She's got blood on her face. What the hell, man? Presu- right. Presumably from killing her rapist. So how do we explain this? That, this is where I was headed at the beginning of this, this sequence. Yeah. I, I have no explanation. I, I, I just, I don't know. Well, yeah, we talked about these people all reliving, not just remembering, but actually re-experiencing these traumatic parts of their life. And this would seem to be evidence that that's what is is happening. Some of these people are actually reliving their their trauma, like experiencing it physiologically once again. Well, right, but where did the blood come from? Because we, the, again, the because blood... Because she was actually really back in the past, experiencing okay. it again. Because we know the blood is real because Clemence tries to wipe it away. So, right. I, I, you know, I don't know other than that. So, yeah, um, there certainly is there that. Now, I guess one well, thing I, mean, I did... Know, we can fall back to what Daniel says, that, you know, none of this is real. Um, you know, that's, that's what he literally says. So, but then what is going on? Well, again, I go back to haunting of Hill house that, that we've talked, you know, a number of times about, well, what's a hallucination and what's not. It's like, we see the blood. Clement sees the blood. So is it real or is it not? I mean, it's not like we don't see anything, but Clement's you know, anyway, I don't well, yeah, I, I want Daniel to tell us, but they keep waving the gun in his face and locking him up. Yeah, good they point. They don't give him a chance to tell us anything. I'm like, wait, don't lock him up yet. Like, I want to know what the heck's going on here. All right. Well, uh, apparently I didn't change the title of the next storyline. Ike and Mara search her tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we anyway, saw we saw it. We saw it happen. Yeah. Uh, so maybe sure. this is some kind of dream. He tells her. 
and then of course they you know speculate well which one of them is dreaming it and you know that's a valid concern yeah but that's exactly what you would say if you were in my dream so right yeah and and we talked about um the mental illness of tove's mother and mara explains that her father built this mental hospital for her mother who begins to experience uh, I, I guess a mental breakdown after the birth of her two children so whether this is what we would now call you know postpartum depression or something else we don't really know and i guess on the one hand it doesn't really matter it does lead uh, to that you know or, or later on that that conversation that clemence has with tove about how she thought she wanted children a lot of children until her sister had two and then like uh no i don't want any <laughs> so um <clears throat> then okay as if the blood on tove isn't enough Mara and Ike are, you know, inside the mental hospital. Uh, they enter the room with the chair. And, and, of course, she's still struggling to remember what exactly happened. He pulls open the curtain, opens the window, and it's like, as he says, this looks like the ship's hull. Okay. All right, fine. I'll, I'll go with that. And then the next thing you know, she's removing part of the wallboard to remove more of the hull so now we're left thinking well is this all somewhere inside the ship which is kind of got to be what the two of them are thinking but uh, of course ike is still thinking this is not real this is a dream and and you know uh, eventually one or both of us is going to wake up but you know, it, it's it's as he says, it's as if all of this was somehow part of the ship. But as he mentioned, you know, in a previous episode, I know every inch of this ship. This room wasn't there. Yeah. So if we go right. back, I, to, would, I would notice if there is a big uh, mental hospital in my ship someplace. So, I mean, if we go back to the video game model. Is this a hidden level that they're just now accessing? I mean, I don't know how else to explain. Well, there's so you know we get like you know you had mentioned it before like it's a really curious in Tove's like visions or experiences where the people are frozen and then all of a sudden we hear like an electric sound and they start moving. Um, so you know again like a big Westworld vibe for me. Um, there as well as like to a different degree like the Truman Show right um, which is what my wife said my wife actually just watched this one episode with me just because she was on the couch when I was watching it and she was like oh it's kind of like the Truman Show isn't it I'm like yeah, yeah, a little bit I guess yeah I, I mean I don't know what to make of that you know but but if you know people are actually video game you know players or characters in the video game but they don't know it you know i don't know yeah i mean it's almost like the game's been paused and then you know the, right. yeah, they, hit, exactly. they hit the play button yeah so well you know i mentioned about the the you know the black crystals and you know daniel bursts in you know don't touch it and of course ike's got a gun on him and that's when we get the beginning of 
the revelation, at least his contention, that he and Mara are married. Don't you know who I am? And then, like you mentioned, he says, I'm not going to let this happen again, not going to ever leave you again. So, uh, so many possibilities, so few answers. I, you know, I, I, on the one hand, I understand why some people gave up, not our kind of people. So, you know, that, that, again, none of this is real. And then I love you. Please wake up. And her answer, nah, lock you in a door. Lock yeah. you in a room at gunpoint. But, you know, like she doesn't feel it, right? Like she's like, this sure. guy tells me we were married, but I don't feel it. You sure. Know? So how could that be? Whereas obviously with Ike, I mean, she feels the. A little bit. Yeah. But I mean, like the, you know, we see like some kind of attraction happening there, you know? Right. And then she's again screaming. I'm not crazy thinking she's talking to her father because as she says i know you're watching me because you know she's been told that you know somebody's been watching she throws the gun and uh okay that was unusual because it clearly hits an invisible glass wall cracking it and then we see him watching on one of those monitors uh, of again Uh, and, and i don't know about you but when we see him looking at that monitor and the camera's kind of looking down on her, it almost reminded me of like a old original Star Trek episode yes. where they would look down yeah. on the planet. Yeah, yeah. She then sees a seam in the glass, peels it away, and then, of course, it reveals more of what looks like the ship's hull. So, again, no clue as to... You know, like best guess, like Ike said, I, you know, I guess this room's in the ship somewhere. I, I like Fred's theory. And if we, if, you know, well, not that there is an end to this, but I imagine, you know, at the, the end of season three of this, you know, the camera will pan out and we'll see that the whole thing was taking place in the holodeck of the USS Enterprise. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I guess we will. Well, I guess we won't see. We won't but, see. Uh, yeah. You know, like, that's a good theory, though. Because there is, like, it is, like, totally like the holodeck. Yeah. And, you know, as far as the black crystals, I mean, uh, other than the fact that Daniel clearly understands them to be a problem, we don't get much, you know, really information Why about is there them. Why does to touch them, Dave? Yeah, well, Mrs. Wilson was the first yeah, and only. Yeah, Frog's went for it too. He's like, uh, yeah. "I want to touch." And Dan, yep. you know, Daniel comes out of nowhere, stop, and did yeah. the same thing with Mara. She's about to touch. He pops up out of nowhere, stop, don't touch it. You know. Yeah. Now, you know, you mentioned, and and we've certainly mentioned throughout the the ten years of the podcast about character pairings within an episode and how you know writers will change it up. And and I really love Tove and Clemence together as they search. And, you know, mentioned that little conversation they have about children. And then suddenly, Clemence, it's like, you know, she, she gets the light bulb moment in her hair. And I guess she's in her own room. I guess that's her husband's uh, wardrobe there. And she says, men invented dresses and heels so women couldn't run away. Takes off her skirt. And, and Tove's like, okay, what are you doing here? Uh-huh pulls out a pair of men's slacks and and puts them on and it's like this this freedom just washes over her and she's ready to go and i'm thinking like 
that is so freaking cool. Yeah. Now you need to pull them down a little bit. You got the high waters yeah, happening, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the ship hasn't flooded yet. But <laughs> um, hey, you know, it's like the first time she's worn pants, so so it takes some getting used to. Yeah, but I just I just love that about her character because you know you, everything that has gone on with her husband has. I, I guess really changed her perception of the world. And, and again, that's another idea that, w- that we hear out of her father when he's, you know, in that scene on dark planet or wherever the hell they are. Um, and he says that, that people just have to alter their perspective of what's real and what's not. I'm like, okay, Aldous Huxley or right. whatever. Well, let's let, let while, while you've opened it up, because I, I, I wrote that whole quote down here. I think it's a pretty important one, uh, especially from it's coming from the wizard, right? People are oblivious to reality. They only see what they want to see, imprisoned by their mind's restrictions. And all they have to do is shift their perspective to see the full scope of things. Okay. So my perspective is if you give me a season two, I'll yeah. know what the right. F is going on here. <laughs> right. But no. So, yeah. But again, I mean, we know what it means, but what does it mean? Yeah. Right. Like, I understand those words. And I know what each of those words means. But when you put it together like that, I don't get the whole, I'm not sure what they mean all together, though. Yeah, and the first mate tells him 48 hours for the transfer. Oh, yeah. Okay. What the hell is that? All right. I mean, obviously, he wants the boy. We know the pyramid is important. Fine. We get that. We don't know why the boy is important. We don't know why the pyramid's important. Uh, we see there's a big pyramid off in the distance right. from, you know, wherever it is. Uh, her father is, is uh, conducting Project Kerberos business, but. You know, well, but, my, you know, so when he said that, here's here's what I thought, because, you know, we already someone had said two episodes ago that all the people who jumped over the ship, like they're not really dead. And now we have the transfer talking about it. And then we see this graveyard of ships. So are they just taking all these people and running this whole simulation test, whatever it is? And then at the end of it, they just, you know, pack them up put them onto a new ship and start all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Which is apparently what has been happening and will continue happening unless, you know, Daniel has his way of, of, you know, whatever. I mean, we still don't know exactly, uh, you know, what he wants, but uh, he wants, he wants Mara to remember like somehow that's, that the key to this is for her to remember. And she, you know, she remembers things because she tells Ike about her mother. Right. Right. So it's not like her past is just a complete blur. So that, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Now, now I guess we learned that Lucien doesn't really have epilepsy, but right. rather, I guess a brain tumor. A tumor. Yeah. Right. And that he gets or got what he deserves. And that little confrontation, um, you know, that he has with Jerome and, and, uh, you know, the boiler room scene was kind of cool, not the least of which, because Ling Yi is in there working with them. And, and the fact that you know, she doesn't want to leave Oleg's side. And I think on the one hand, she kind of implies that's because she doesn't trust the men, but I think we both know it's because she wants to be with Oleg and doesn't, 
you know, want to, you know, she doesn't know how much time she's got left. Well, she feels safe with him. Well, she does. Absolutely. She doesn't feel safe with anyone else. Right. And, you know, she climbs right up the ladder, up into the coal chute, helps him, you know, unstick the uh, the lever and and all that. So I, I really love that scene. They the, get the, the only power. Thing I don't like about it is like she kisses him. He doesn't really kiss her back. Well, yeah, but then he grabs her. She start walking away. But yeah, I mean, if if a beautiful woman like that, I mean, like I'm sorry, well, Jody. He, like he, my, he, even to my wife, if if a beautiful woman like Ling Yi came up and started kissing me, I'd probably kiss her back a little bit. You know, like uh, just yeah. saying. And so, but it's this whole like kind of. That's the only part of this. I was just like, this is such a well, trope, you know, it's such a freaking cliche of like, you know, kissing the one character is like unsure. And so the other character starts walking away. The other character grabs the other character's hands and brings her to him. And then they start kissing passionately. It's like, come on. Man, yeah. like he's wanted to kiss her like for you know five episodes now. Yeah, I know. Gets to he's going to do all this BS. Come on, man. All right. Well, anyway, they get the power back on, which is good. And then Ramiro realizes. I think it's Ramiro. Yeah, realizes nobody's steering the ship. The two priests are trying to figure out how to do it. Now he's like, "Okay, let's see. We're at uh, forty degrees." No, I'm like, dude, you have no clue what you're right. doing. So shut I'm up. Like, yeah, and then he's like, like "Are you going to map?" I'm looking at the map. I'm like, "Okay, I don't know what this says." Are you trying to read how to steer the ship? And then we realize that everything in every book is just the same sentence over and over may your coffee kick in before reality does which is and, not it doesn't sound like something that'll be written in 1899 no absolutely not i mean i mean we're talking probably it's it at, sounds like something to be on like a dilbert coffee mug uh, well i mean at the earliest would be like the 1970s yes you know but but probably even later you know, right. that, that whole phrase about kicks in. I mean, I, again, I don't know. I'm sure we could look it up online, which we're not going to do right now. And we'll forget later. But, but yeah, absolutely. Definitely not 1899. But when are we? We, you know, we see Mara's father's office, and that's clearly not 1899. So, uh, you know, we, we don't know when we are, which, you know, is part of the fun. And then the first mate enters the dining room. He looks at the cabinet where the boy was locked and then he just climbs in, shuts the door and, you know, bright lights emanate. So that's apparently the pathway to her father. Yes. So but it's also the pathway from the ocean to the ship, apparently, too. Yeah. A <laughs> good point. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and then we get that closing scene that we talked about. The, uh, you know, the, the, the women are on the deck of the Kerberos. Storm is approaching Tove's like, this can't be real. And dude, they don't need to have any more music in the last two episodes. There's nothing they could pick that would top Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower. Sorry. Yeah. Just end of story. No, it's, it's um, and, and And again, just the lyrics, because literally this is a song that in various bands and whatever, I've literally played this song hundreds of times. There must be some way out of here. It's a song where the the cover version kicks the original version right in the ass. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, for those of you, it's a Bob Dylan song. And Bob Dylan's version is good. 
exactly. Battlestar Galactica also uses it that's, to great effect right. That's right. on multiple yeah, yeah. occasions. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was like um, a big part of the plot. Right. Bear McCreary's version, which is vastly different from either and gives me goosebumps just even thinking about it. But then the camera pulls back. Ike's looking out there and he is just freaked. You, you'd love to know what he's thinking. And he just sees his ship as one of many just floating as if in a ship graveyard. And like we said at the beginning of the discussion, it seems to support the idea that there's some sort of a loop going on and that, you know, this is Ike version (laughs) 25.0 waiting for Ike version 26. You know, I mean, is is it going to start? Did Daniel fail? in stopping right what he was trying yeah, to stop yeah, so we don't know but you know like at the end like they really hammer us with uh, this isn't real right i mean daniel says this isn't real none of this is real and you know of course as we said before you know um instead of you know asking him to elaborate um or locks him up and then after she pulls aside the panel in the middle of the landscape uh, to reveal the size of a ship, she also says this can't be real. Uh, Tove, I'm not sure what she's actually looking at when she says this can't be real. When they're on the deck, we see the lightning and everything. I, I don't know. It was really dark. I couldn't see if she there was something she saw there. And then, of course, Ike sees all the other ships. He also says this can't be real. Like the exact same phrase all of them say. So, I mean, that obviously is a pretty big you know theme of this episode. Yeah, so, I mean, how they're going to explain all of this, okay, fine, it's not real. All right, so what is it? So, yeah, again, it better not be Bob Newhart waking up in bed with (laughs) his first wife. Yeah, right. Which was funny at the time, but... Yeah, uh, it's been done, though. It's been done. So uh, what else that we haven't talked about? Well, so the, the, you talked about the lyrics of All Along the Watchtower, especially at the beginning of the song. There must be some kind of way out of here. And that's or not. It's <laughs> right, exactly. And then, you know, there's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. All right, I definitely am feeling that, you know. Um, you know, I think we probably have talked about pretty much everything Oh, the kid, uh, Ramiro kisses Tove's dad. Yeah, and he kind of like is, you know, pulls back. And and of course, Ramiro has no idea about the trauma that that has led the family to board Kerberos and go to America. But um, so, you know, the, the fact that we know that he's gay you know, you know, we're able to understand Tove's father's kind of yeah. surprise and and a, and a yeah. little bit of. Uh, I just kissed him on the cheek too. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I understand. Europe, you know, sure, like, I understand. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, put a pin in that. Maybe you know, I think uh, there's one point Mara tells like I think you know, maybe we're both going mad, um, which again could could be. Uh, Ibn tells Mrs. Wilson, and again, another of the team-ups, right, that Ibn and Mrs. Wilson was a pretty crackerjack one. Um, and, you know, she's, Ibn's going off about God and everything. She says, God writes our story. There's nothing you can do but accept his choices. 
I think she said that. And, you know, for once, Mrs. Wilson is kind of doesn't seem like she's the one in control here. And uh, so I thought that that was interesting how they do that. And, of course, now she is completely out of control as the it looks like that black stuff is kind of making almost like tattoo marks on her arm. Um, so I don't know. Maybe this stuff. You know, she touches it and it reveals her for who she is. Maybe she is a woman from twenty, the 21st century with tat, tat, tattoos all up and down her arm. And now she's going to see it because of the black stuff. I don't know. Dude, you need to watch Outlander. I think I can there. It's, it is, it's on something. It's like on, is it on Netflix it's on, or something? It, yeah, it might be. Jody would probably like it. Mary yeah. loves it. So anyway. Think about it. We still got to finish... Uh, the Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Time travel, but anyway. Right. Uh, I think that's that's about all I got, man. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for 1899 Season 1, Episode 6. Coming back to last week's podcast first, no, I don't have any extra information, uh, Dave, you asked about another service that would take over a second season, perhaps, of 1899. What I do know, or actually my wife found it, because after she and I got a little bit disappointed about the series, she read a lot and saw a lot. Actually, she knows the ending by reading just some stuff, but she didn't tell me, fortunately. We also will watch the next two episodes in the coming week. My wife will go to Germany for two weeks in the next week, so we have to speed up the watching before she leaves. But I will record my audio feedback after watching every episode before watching the next. So she read some stuff and one of the things was that there was somebody who made a graphic novel who claims that the ideas of 1899 were partly plagiarism from her graphic novel. And I will post that on the Facebook page. And I don't know if this played a major role in cancelling the second season, but it could be. But it was not a hype, it's not a big thing. So I really doubt if this plays a role, but it could be one of the factors. I want to thank Suzanne, who gave feedback in the last podcast for her get well wishes. Well, Suzanne, I'm much better now. And very funny that you came back to the topic of the differences of houses in the Netherlands and in Germany, which I discussed in Dark, because the buildings in Dark are so typically German. I always call Germany Kleinfensterland, or translated small windows country. If you go by train from the Netherlands to Germany, there is no border sometimes really marked, and you can immediately see it at the houses. I always find also these, these type of German houses very dark, <laughs> talking about dark, because the windows are so, for Dutch standard, small. Dutch houses, regular houses, have big, big front windows, big, big windows in the backyard, and you can actually really see through the house. Many houses, if you walk by, you can see what people do in the backyard. We call that in Dutch doorzonwoningen, or when you translate that, sun true houses. And we also have such a house. Almost the complete front of my house is just window. 
But we have a lot of plants uh, there, so it's not really sun true in our case. Okay, going into episode 6. Before forgetting to give a grade, I would give it a B. But that is an average, because on one hand it's really bunkers again. We get some new insights, some new stuff, for instance at the end, where... Captain Larson is finding himself suddenly between many ships. What the heck is that again? On the other hand, we get some explanations about Mara's father, that he lost his wife and with every birth of the next child. So she and her brother, uh, her mother lost her mind more and more. We get the reveal that Daniel is her husband, but she doesn't know it. And we get that whole thing of wake up, wake up. And she actually says to Captain Larson in this episode, are we in a dream? And then, whose dream is it, yours or mine? So I think we will land up in a kind of dream or a subconscious experiment or a treatment where she has to do certain tasks to get better. And then, of course, we have the new thing that if you go to the walls of this building, whatever you find, plating of the ship, it's really reminiscent of a Star Trek holodeck. It's actually one of the things my wife said, and I fully agree. And if it's a dream, then also all this technology is, of course, possible. On the other hand, in which time frame does this dream or treatment takes place that is not necessarily 1899 i mean when you have psychiatric problems and you will be treated let's say in 1960 you still can have a dream about 1899 so it doesn't mean that we are necessarily really in 1899 which also could explain all the technology that we see i love the connection between ling yi and oek Really nice, those two together. Perhaps that's the little positive sparkle I was looking for and was complaining about last week that we didn't have any positive things in this series. And as we expected, Tova is indeed raped and she killed the guy. And I also expected that Cresta would have gotten his facial scar by this incident and that's indeed true. Okay, that were my quick thoughts for this episode. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. I wouldn't be against a second season of Fringe. P.S. 2. I did my five Hail Marys. Bye. Um, you know, you and I were mentioning a little bit before we started to record, but just fascinating stuff about the windows in Germany as opposed to the Netherlands, which are countries that, that border each other. Yeah, and I, it, I like sun-through houses. I like that. That's we, we need more. We need sun-through houses here in the States. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny. Now, of course, here in the States, I think most people would not even consider, because, I, again, I may have misunderstood Fred, but I got the idea that not only are the windows in the Netherlands much bigger, but that they don't use curtains. Right. Right. So that you can just see through. So I don't know that we'd be real comfortable with that in America uh, with no curtains on the ground level, but eh, you never know, I guess. Yeah. 
He gives this one a B, although, and I get what he means. It's like, I got the idea, Fred, that you're saying, all right, this be, and I'm just picking arbitrary uh, components of this episode. All right, well, this one, oh, this is kind of a B plus, like, yeah, but now it's a B minus. But he, so, so he, he gives it an overall B. Now, I give it an overall A. I got to be honest. I thought this was a great episode. The fact that we still have as many questions as answers is fine with me. We're headed in a direction. Now, if the answer is that, you know, like we said, it's a dream and then I'll reevaluate. But, you know, for now, I'm giving it an A. Yeah, I can't think of any reason not to give it an A. I can't think of anything. I mean, I liked it. It was uh, it was a good episode, uh, and I think there, we got some reveals. Obviously, still tons and tons of questions. We have no idea what's going on still. Yeah, but uh, but you know, I can't think of anything to, to grade it down with. Okay, and, and the other thing Fred mentions has to do with when the story is actually taking place because as he says you know because of people's dream states there's no reason someone couldn't dream that they're back in 1899 right i mean that kind of thing happens all the time if you believe people about what they dream of course everybody uh you know is a king or a queen in their past lives and all of that but uh but 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 the point he's making i think is is pretty significant that now we don't know whose dream it is is it a collective dream because i guess that could be a thing i mean you look at a show like uh oh what was it sensate oh yeah yeah uh which i never actually finished and, and i may have to go back you to should it. That, the, the they did a really good job with the, the end of that show yeah, it was and, great. yeah and plus martha is in it so uh yeah, so is it something like that? I mean, I don't know, but but you know, Fred, your point about the fact I mean, because we kind of know we're not in eighteen ninety nine because of the technology right. that we see in her father's office. Yeah. So and and Daniel's flashlight. You know, I guess we just have to leave it at that. Yeah. Um anything else about Fred's feedback? No. Uh good to hear Fred. Seems like he's uh feeling a lot better. Sound sounded great there, Fred. Um, yeah, I'm just saying we're definitely not in 1899. There's, there's, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but whatever I say for sure. And again, <laughs> yeah. you know, not that we're ever going to find out anyway. So, okay. well, we um, got the, the, oh, the last thing is no, just like the, the, the tragic story of his wife finding out how, you know, 1899 ended, uh, because she was reading stuff about it. That's why I don't read anything about anything. When I'm watching this show, like, you know, I'm so tempted. I want to like read an article, but I'm like, nope. No, I'm not even gonna look at the. Uh, don't don't even show me. Don't don't show me the title of the article. Don't show me anything. I'm gonna look away. I'm gonna exit out. I am not reading anything. You know, and it's it, it, it's funny because and Fred, thank you for your feedback. Um, I'm just gonna mention something else that that kind of relates to that. But you know, and and I'm the same way. And it's like no matter how careful you are. Because, you know, like I said, I, I, I just did a rewatch of Yellow Jackets. My wife had never seen it. So she this was her first viewing and season two is coming in March and they've already renewed it for a third season. So we know we're going to get more. And one of the things you learn in season one is that, all right, there are f- at least four of the girls 
and one of the guys that gets rescued and makes it into the present 2021 but that's all we know for sure and then i just happened to see something in passing about you know oh this actor's going to be in season two well okay um this actor has this color hair and is clearly going to be the adult version of you know because it's like dark they've got to have an adult and a teenager right. for for all these different parts so it's like okay well i guess she survives <laughs> you know yeah. now that, but you know okay fine that's not that big a spoiler but it is a spoiler yeah yeah and, and casting news i guess the show's showrunners think nothing of putting that out there and i guess to be fair plenty of people like that stuff they don't care oh, right. that's fine i'd rather know than not know all right yeah. well okay yep so takes all types yep anyway so uh that's all i'm gonna say about that all right for so all right well that'll do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about 1899 the peripheral anything going on in your genre tv world uh check out the facebook group if you haven't already sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us We'll be back next week to talk about the penultimate episode of 1899, which is episode seven. But until then, you know, Dave, I was just thinking about like when we first started this podcast way back then doing Lost Girl. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we were happy.